Welcome back to another episode of Touchline Thoughts powered by the Garage Door Sports Network. I'm your host, Irfan Manji. I'm joined by one of the best there is, but before she hops on, let's get comfortable. And if you voted in our guest edition poll this week, and she won, so she's back. So hold on before I introduce her. Here's a little bit of music. Haley McGoldrick joins us once again from the comfort of her own home. We all know how great she is with her writing over at Sportsnet and her extensive knowledge of basically every sport. And when I mean every sport, I think I can have a conversation with her on everything. Um, But now she's been renewed at Sportsnet. She's also writing for FIBA. Uh, We're proud of you here at Touchline Dots and always happy to have you on. How are you, Haley? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and your kind words as always. You guys think very highly of me. I don't know why, but we do. I think when you have someone who respects you and also respects sports and understands sports, it holds a place in everyone for sure. I appreciate that. And I'm always happy to be here. I'm always happy to rant about Arsenal this time in a good way. I feel like the last time I was on, I was just like, crapping on everything Arsenal was doing and now it's like the complete opposite I don't know there was that game against Chelsea on Boxing Day and that just like flipped their season but we'll get to that later I have lots of thoughts on this Arsenal team of course and and as Haley alluded to we will have extra time Arsenal talk they've been doing some good stuff we'll also talk about the negativity surrounding the leaving of a certain player and we'll talk all about that as well but We'll start with our starting 11, which is brought to us by Shenzi Shack. Don't forget to give the Shack and Chef Sab a follow on Instagram as they bring you cuisines from around the world. They deliver and now are available and pick up in the Vancouver area. Okay, so when I reached out to you for another episode, you you gave me a few things to talk about. And we're going to go with it because I think it, it's important to talk about. We are a few weeks behind on it, however. But if you want to lead the conversation on this one, this is all you. Uh, KC is going to have an expansion team. So they did have a team a few years back, but they folded and they sort of moved over to Utah Royals, became Utah Royals FC. And now that same team or that same sort of mold of Utah Royals FC is going back to KC. So it's going back and forth a few times. Do you want to talk a little bit about this new KC expansion team? Yeah. And it's funny you say that we're a few weeks behind because a lot has happened in that time. I don't want to talk about because at first a lot of people and I find this happens a lot with a lot of franchises and a lot of sports but the players basically were told nothing and then all of a sudden it comes out by the way Utah you're moving to Kansas City yeah. and all the players were like what the hell is going on and what happened was I guess the owner of the Utah teams is trying to sell all of the teams in Utah so um Sporting Kansas or not Sporting Kansas City I'm thinking Kansas City um Real Salt Lake and then um, their uh, USL team, which... I Monarchs. Yeah, the Monarchs, thank you. Yeah. So yeah, he's trying to sell all three teams because in the organization, there has been a lot of talks of like sexual harassment and things like that with some of their executives, which is obviously not okay. Um, and I think the owner is just trying to get rid of all of that, kind of sweep it under the rug, which is very shady. But regardless, a lot of the players were like, what the hell? And again, the people of Utah were like, 
okay, we just got a women's soccer team and now you're taking that away from us and potentially our men's soccer teams too. And you see a lot of people have attachment to these teams because it's nice to have that hometown team. You know, I think of like the San Diego Chargers and how mad people were when they moved to LA because it's like, okay, you already have now the Rams in LA. Why do you need us? Like when you grow up and, you know, you don't have something in your city and then it becomes a team, like you don't want to let go of that. So exactly. I, I feel for the people of Utah, but anyways, the people um, of Utah, or the players, I should say, were all blindsided by this news, and then now they're moving to Kansas City. There have been a lot of positives coming out of this Kansas City NWSL franchise, which I enjoy, because at first, obviously, like I said, there's not a lot of support from the MLS when it comes to the NWSL in Kansas City. Sporting KC kind of turned a blind eye, wouldn't like rent out their stadium to... Right now, they're just called NWSLKC. I'm sure they will find him. It's yeah, it's the same with Louisville, how they became racing Louisville. But at first, they were just kind of Louisville NWSL. Right now, they're just NWSLKC, regardless. The relationship with Sporting KC is not great right now, which is sad to see because you see, actually, in the MLS, a lot of support from, like, brother-sister clubs, which is amazing because that, I think, is a huge thing in sport. Like, if you think of the NHL and the NWHL right now, like, the amount of teams who – there's only six NWHL teams, but the amount of support they're getting from around the league, the WNBA, NBA, same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Even, like I said, in MLS, you've got, you know, the Portland Timbers and the Portland Thorns. They have a great relationship. You've got Orlando Pride and Orlando City SC. Like, there's a lot of teams who work together with their sister clubs, and Sporting KC has just chosen – to not do that with the NWSL in Kansas City, which is very disheartening. But one good thing that I think has come out of it is Brittany Matthews, who, for the people who don't watch football, is Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes' fiance. She's actually bought into the team. She's one of the co-owners of the team, which is amazing because it clearly shows that, obviously, she's investing in women's sports. And there's a lot of things you could invest in even Patrick Mahomes himself is now part of the Kansas City Royals baseball organization but she's investing in women's soccer and it's so great to see female entrepreneurs and investors investing in women's sports you've seen it with um, Angel City FC in Los Angeles even now Naomi Osaka who's one of the best tennis players in the world is now a co-owner of NC Courage like Mm -hmm. being able to see these women investing in these teams is amazing so I think that they have a bright future but just all the mess of leaving Utah blindsiding their players like you have one of the best rookies in the league Ziara King who's on the Royals and now she's on OL Reign because Kansas City kind of didn't know what they were doing and just kind of got rid of a lot of their players traded them away of course now if you live under a rock and you don't know who these two people are. I'm very disappointed, but Desiree Scott and Diana Matheson will be part of um, the NWSL in Kansas city, which is incredible because obviously we want to see more Canadian soccer representation. And now with the FA women's super league, you're seeing a lot of the, I don't want to say better Canadian players, but like Jesse Fleming, who is somebody who I'm sure any NWSL team would have loved to have left and went to Chelsea. And you've got, uh like Becky who's playing for Man City and a lot of great Canadian talent is moving to those leagues so having like players like Scott and Matheson staying in the NWSL and being more local obviously I think Canada needs an NWSL whole other conversation of course good to see but I just wish that the players were treated better in this whole thing because a lot of them are really blindsided and then it kind of leaves a sour taste in their mouth and 
if Kansas City wants to keep their players or draft people, like they might just say no or just go to the FA Women's Super League because they feel like they were treated so poorly by the NWSL. And it's not the umbrella organization who is doing all of this. They don't own all of the teams. Individual owners own them. But just, yeah, that was like a really long rant and I just talked a lot. But no, no. Summary of the situation. Exactly. And I mean, it's great to know for listeners is that Utah Royal FC's players' rights, draft picks, and other assets that are held by them are all being transferred to Casey. So not necessarily losing the core of this team, you will have the same team. And I do hope Utah fans can appreciate the Kansas City team until eventually, which I think they will, they'll have a team in maybe five to 10 years, an expansion team, um, and maybe they'll get behind that. And the, and the thing that um, Haley mentioned that I think is super important to underline is that we're having strong women entrepreneurs pushing this deal and, and buying into this deal. And you talk about Angie and Chris Long, the, the couple ownership group that you know spearheaded this. It's like it's led by Angie, supported by Chris and trying to get a team over there. And I mean... Kansas City themselves have had so much success in the NWSL. They won in 2014, they won in 2015, and they only folded because of poor, you know, mismanagement and absentee ownership, which just forced the league to sort of sell them off. And that team, if you recall, had Desiree Scott, Sydney LaRue, Alexa Newfield, like this team wasn't bad. So I do hope that with this new management and with everyone sort of buying into the NWSL, that this team doesn't fold. And if it folds, then it's just like, where do we go next and I, and I think that's the biggest question is is that sister club support um, that Kansas City is not providing to their new sister club and you mentioned a few examples and I want to toss the Houston teams there the Dash and the Dynamo I think are arguably the best uh, combination out there so um, I do hope it lasts um, they're bringing back some familiar feels which is good so Hugh Williams who was the general manager of the former team is now going to be the head coach um, so a different mindset, a different mold, and I hope it's not as poorly ma- uh, managed as the way um, Del Loy Henson or their chief business officer, Andy Carroll, were managing this Utah Royals team. And I'm going to quickly shift gears over to them. And I think the biggest reason that they're no longer going to hold or have a team anymore is because of what you mentioned is the toxic workplace culture the racism and sexist behavior and and also at the same time um henson came out during the 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 jacob blake shooting um and, and said something that really irked me and this was back in in august when he was like he was actually i'm just going to paraphrase this but he was he thought it was disrespectful to him personally because his team chose not to play and he was referring to the rsl team uh not wanting to play during the shooting um so i have to ask you this was this writing on the wall that this utah team or this utah ownership group might not longer be a part of the league anymore for all of them Oh, definitely. I think for sure. You can't have a team that houses athletes of color, even if there's just one. Like I said, Utah Royals, Ziara King, like she's a black athlete. If you're going to say something like that, you, A, you're going to expect that those players aren't going to want to play for you. But B, we've all played on sports teams. Those people are your family. They're going to stick together. If you're going to disrespect one of them, you're disrespecting all of them. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to play for somebody like that. I'm not a person of color, but if I heard that, like, I'm not a circus monkey who's just trying to make money for you. I am a human before I am an athlete. And that is completely unacceptable. And like you said, 
before the problem in Kansas City was the mismanagement. And that's exactly what happened with these Utah teams. Like the Utah Royals actually had the second highest fan engagement in the NWSL, but their team still crumbled because of the way they were handled by their front office, which is so sad because I feel like if fans ran the team half the time, they would do a much better job than all these executives. But yeah, that definitely was the writing on the wall that this guy doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to handling a team like this, because like I said, I think most athletes in any sport will say that like you're a human first before you're an athlete. You are. He's going to want to play for somebody who thinks right. When you retire at the age of 35, you are a person now, right? You're not that same athlete you were for the last 10 years. Um, I think we've seen a lot of owners get, in, in a lot of shit because of the way they've talked about the movements or they've talked about standing up for things. And another quote that uh, irked me a little bit more, I, I mean, I, be, I kept researching this and it really pissed me off, but it was just like um, Carol said a little while back is, I'm going to quote this, is Utah is just over the Black Lives Movement matter, um, according to a person present. And he said, we just need to move on. Let's just move on. And it's like, okay, but you realize that this issue is not just for your team it's worldwide it's nationwide so i think the fact that not only did they take the movement lightly both henson and carol they also treated their staff poorly or they categorized certain people based on appearances and whether you're prettier whether you're ugly or whether your sexual orientation is a certain way and i'm glad that these two gentlemen are no longer associated with any sports um and, and I think that's important for everyone to take away from this is there's toxic environments, move on from it. They're done. They're not going to hold another team. And I hope it doesn't let them have another team because, I mean, they have the money for it. But what does the MLS do now or what does the NWSL do now? Like, do you do you blacklist these guys? I would hope so. Like, unfortunately, like you said, especially when it comes to women's sports, like having many holds power because obviously women's sports are not as invested in or don't make as much money as men's sports so if somebody has money then obviously they hold a monopoly because is anyone else going to put millions of dollars into a you know nwsl franchise in utah you would hope so and unless that's what i said before i hope seeing teams like angel city fc and seeing kansas city and even seeing like naomi osaka investing in north carolina like seeing a lot of these female driven kind of teams and all these female entrepreneurs who just are here because they're female athletes or they're women in sports and they want the best for women in sports. I'm hoping that they can cut out a lot of the toxicity that is just men trying to make money. And of course, like you said, the men's teams are part of this too. It's not just the Utah Royals were the only ones who were suffering from this toxic environment. But I'm hoping that seeing this change and kind of the shift in the narrative of women investing in women's sports especially and even women investing in men's sports you know you're seeing a lot of women more in executive roles and front offices and gms having that kind of because women have to deal with toxicity 24 7 in a world of sports having that kind of leadership i'm hoping will change the narrative and just get rid of these guys because no amount of money in the world can you know stop that kind of environment and i think a lot of people would rather have you know, a place where they enjoy working than just having money. And you want to go to work happy, not come out afraid. Like, I mean, when you read the stories of, you know, about the individual people that dealt with these two personnel men, um, they, they, they just talk about the fact that they have to keep their head down and, and, and go to work and just avoid contact or avoid any sort of 
interaction with these men and that's not a way to run a business or hell it's not a way to work anywhere like if you're afraid of your own boss why are you there you know and it's it's hard to get out of it um the biggest question that i had coming out of this one was could the new group like the investment group kept the team in utah instead of moving it over to kc because i mean the facilities are already in place all they would have to do is sort of buy that back and that becomes the same team nobody moves and the fans who have been super supportive of the royals they still have a team yeah i think it's definitely hard from the fan perspective because like you just said and we said before like they had the second highest fan engagement in the nwsl clearly the people of utah wanted that women's team and they were supporting that women's team but i think also when you have such a toxic environment sometimes you just need a fresh start. It's like, yeah, you could have maybe kept the team there. Also, it gets tricky because of the Monarchs and Real Salt Lake. Like, the three teams by the same ownership group gets kind of tricky and entangled in there. Mm -hmm. And then, like, would you have to buy all three teams to keep them there? Yeah, whatever. But I think it's nice to have that fresh start. And, of course, yeah, there's the issues between the NWSL and, like, Sporting KC, which hopefully will get worked out soon. But I think it's nice to have that fresh start because – even if there is new management, you might go into that field and be flooded with flashbacks of times you were mistreated or harassed and things like that. So just, you know, getting rid of it, starting yeah. fresh. Of course, it sucks for the fans, but like you said, a lot of those like draft picks and players who have been cored, like they're staying with Kansas City. So as much as it sucks that when COVID's over, you won't be able to drive 20 minutes down the road and go to the stadium and watch a game. But I think the fans are willing to support the players that they love in Kansas City. Yeah. So it's nice to have that fresh start and kind of throw all those bad memories in the trash. I do hope the player, the fans who do have player jerseys from the Utah Royals or something like that are given maybe like a, here's a $50 coupon so you can get another jersey at least to support the team. And I think that would be a, a fantastic way to promote um, the team itself. Uh, you you did mention this to me while we were messaging off air. Um, the lack of MLS support, um, the lack of MLS support in general, has been a, has been something that we've talked about and 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 said that you know they need to do more for the league or they need to do more in terms of partnership. And I mean, Don Garber, the the MLS commissioner, <laughs> released one statement was like, yeah, we don't whatever uh, Henson said about Black Lives Matter doesn't reflect the MLS. And other than that, he's been dead quiet. So yeah. how, what's going on with the MLS? Why, why are they not as supportive as, as we hope them to be? Yeah, it's bizarre because, like you said, you look at partnerships like the NBA and the WNBA, and they're so supportive. And, like, the NBA literally gives money to the WNBA to help them succeed. And you look at the Orange Hoodie com- campaign and, like, all the players who literally – like, I was watching when – WNBA free agency just started and it's been insane. Um, that's for another podcast. But um, Dwayne Wade like tweeted out about all the players like Candace Parker left LA to go to Chicago and he was like tweeting about it. He was tweeting about Kayla McBride. Like seeing stuff like that is so incredible. And I know there are male soccer players who support women's soccer players, but you just don't see the support like that. Even women supporting other women's sports is insane. Or like even the NWHL bubble right now, you see all the cardboard cutouts. You've got NWSL teams with cardboard cutouts. You've got WNBA teams with cardboard cutouts. You got NHL teams with cardboard cutouts. Even you see like the Colorado Avalanche, who there is no Colorado NWHL team, are tweeting out like every single game. They're so supportive. The MLS, like you said, like the brother sister clubs are very supportive of each other, but just like the two leagues as a whole, there's nothing there. 
like it's not like the Houston Dynamo are supporting the whole league. Obviously, they're supporting the Dash, but on a grand scheme, it's not like you're seeing every MLS team being like, okay, go kill it, you know, Houston mm-hmm. Dash. Or like when you see players go out for like national camps and stuff like that, like the U.S. Women's National Team announced their camp roster like three weeks ago. It's not like you're seeing the MLS being like, great work, ladies. Like, yeah. it's, it's not that hard to be supportive and draw eyes to the sport like it's not taking away from your sport you know if i love michael bradley and i want to watch michael bradley i'm gonna do that like you know not really taking away from your sport it's not hard to support women's sports so i don't understand no it's it's bringing more fans in from let's say the nwsl fans are going to be like well now we'll watch some mls soccer so it's like a a one-to-one there um yeah that's super important i think you nailed it right on the head is if you can have some sort of partnership, it, it works out brilliantly. Do you think that if there was more support from the MLS or from like big organizations um, funding into the NWSL, for example, that players like Canadian players and American top players wouldn't have to go off to Europe to play? I think so. Absolutely. And I think a lot of them don't want to because they're away from their families. And like, it's a hard, especially in COVID when you can't just fly back to see your family or they can't fly to see you. I think they would. And of course, like you think of the Premier League, the Premier League is the best league in the world. You want to play in the Premier League, of course, but like also women's soccer players are not making that much money. Sometimes if you're making the same amount and can play closer to home, why wouldn't you want to? And it's not a knock on any of the women's super league clubs because I love them. Like um, if you've never watched Viv Miedema play soccer, you need to, because she is like men's and women's soccer, like top 10 best players, swear to God. If she could play in the Arsenal men's side, they would never lose a game. <laughs> She'd score. She's literally, she had 50 goals in 50 games. Like she's the most amazing, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would want to, but it's just, sometimes it's not sustainable. Even, for it's for all women's sports honestly like the WNBA just had their new CBA passed and they're making decent money obviously they're not ever going to make as much as the men and that's what kills me about the arguments of people online like I'm never asking for Sue Bird to be paid as much as LeBron James like I've never once said that but even she should be (laughs) incredible but like it's just not feasible and we know that but even yesterday I had an interview with an NWHL player and she was like I was like what time works for you and she's like um, probably at night when it's not a game day because I work during the day. So like she's a professional women's hockey player and she still has to work another job. So like obviously if you want to be a professional athlete, you want any job, you do it for the money. We both have mm-hmm. jobs that I'm sure like I hate my job truly, but um, like it's what pays the bills. So it is yeah. what it is. But like being able to do what you love and make decent money, if you can do that close to home, it would yeah. be amazing. But it's just you go where the money goes. If a club like Manchester city where there it's not even like they're two separate entities. It's literally the one club and they just have a men's and women's side. Like, obviously you want to go play there. So if you could find that in the NWSL with support from the MLS, I'm sure so many bigger names would want to stay home, but you have to do what you can support your family with. Exactly. And you said something super important. There is, uh, you spoke to the NWHL player who has a full-time job plus is a full-time hockey player, right? And I think for our listeners, if you listen to last episode with Paige Culver, a, for, a professional player for ASJ uh, Socio in the France League, she said that it was super important for me to finish my education because 
like what am I going to do after this I need to make money after this like it's not going to sustain me for the rest of my life and that and that's I think that's what we're fighting for here is that they like people if you're going to be a professional athlete you don't have to keep having multiple fallback plans you can't be working full-time jobs it's like if Dwayne Wade's going to make 25 million dollars why can't someone comparatively make that I mean, maybe not 25 million, but enough to sustain their living and not have to be like, well, I had to go to school for four to six years. Now I'm going to go do my master's because, well, I need a job. Exactly. Yeah, I completely agree with that. For sure. Well, any other thoughts about this relocation and MLS support or lack of? I wish the MLS, I hope for Kansas City's sake on both sides, they can figure something out. I would love to see more MLS support, but I'm super excited to see what Kansas City does. We saw with Racing Louisville how amazing they've been doing and they haven't even played a game yet and they have so much fan interaction just from what they've done on social media, what they've done with their branding. So I'm really excited to see the same thing from the NWSL in Kansas City. Yeah, super excited for that. Preseason starts on Monday. Um, Let's get ready for that. Soccer's back in the NWSL. So super happy about that. That ends today's starting 11, which was brought to us by Shenzi Shack. Don't forget to give the Shack and Chef Sab a follow on Instagram as they bring you cuisines from around the world. They deliver and now are available in pickup in the Vancouver area. We'll take a quick break, and when we return, we'll talk some Arsenal. Sheer Creams is an all-natural and organic skincare brand. We ethically source our sheer butter through our partners from West Africa. Our creams are then handmade with love in the UK, making sure our products are at the highest quality, maintaining their natural origins. Our purpose at Sheer Cream is to deliver you the highest quality skincare line that fits your personal needs. You can purchase our products via our website www.sheercreams.com or via our Etsy shop Sheer Creams or our Amazon. Thank you for listening and we hope you love our brand. All right, we're back. Um, Haley, this is your team. You start the conversation. This is all you. Arsenal has changed their season. You want to tell us why it's changed and improved? for good um i think arteta finally had a light bulb go off in his head being like i need to change starting 11 (laughs) Um, and when he figured that out the dynamic of the team completely changed and it makes me laugh because arsenal is paying a lot of players a lot of money um to underperform pretty much um some of them still are but we'll get into that but their academy players have been doing amazing um, Saka and Smith Rowe are the future. I say this every week. Saka is missing today's game, and I'm like, no, we have to rely on another midfielder. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yep. He's incredible. Like, I'm obsessed with him. Every single game, he's scoring, he's getting an assist. Like, he is the top producing midfield, which should not be happening when, like, last summer, I remember everyone p- being like, please, Obama Yang, resign, resign, resign. And now it's like, oh, just kidding. You have this 20 year old kid who is outperforming every single midfielder on the pitch. Like, Thomas Partey, I'm so not sold on him. I'm sorry. Like, everyone else is like, oh, he creates chances. I'm like, okay, but, like, if you don't score off those chances, what does that mean? Like, that's such a dumb stat to me. And the thing is, advanced analytics have, like, ruined arguments in sports for a lot of reasons. And that's when – it's the same thing in football when somebody says, oh, so-and-so passed for 500 yards and, like, for no touchdowns. So, who cares? Like, no. <laughs> you need the points. You're not getting exactly. points out of it. At that point, Granite Jack is doing more than Partey is. And that's exactly. Exactly. And, like, he's honestly one who started to regrow on me because there was a point, like, oh, I don't remember who they played, but he got that stupid red card and then they scored and it was, like – 
oh yeah you're but, like, time to leave and then he scores a beautiful free kick against Chelsea and you're like whoa he can actually do something I'm like oh that was the game him Laka and Saka I was like okay I'm so Lacazette is another one who had really underperformed the first half of the season now same thing he's getting a goal or assist almost every game I'm like okay Laka I see you I will not slander you anymore um Pepe is another one who is being paid way too much but he's slowly starting to produce more which we like to see um I think the defense still needs a little bit of work I don't know Kieran Tierney literally is the light of my life he is bar none the backbone of Arsenal if it weren't for him I don't even know where we'd be at in this point of the season not only because he's an amazing left back the best in the Premier League I'm gonna say that (laughs) but also like he literally is scoring goals he's creating chances like he knows when to get a penalty yep yep we saw that Chelsea game although okay that was not a penalty but they got one because he knew how to take the tackle and take the hit so yeah exactly if you can sell it you can get it (laughs) exactly but he's just he's incredible we still have a little bit more work to do but like Gabriel Gabriel's doing amazing obviously he's dealt with some injuries but like he's doing okay like you said it's the players that have needed to go they're slowly getting rid of yeah. which I'm very happy about. Obviously, the biggest one, which I know you were alluding to before, is Ozil. He was the biggest, I don't want to say the biggest waste of money because when he was playing, he was performing and creating chances, which again, if you're not scoring off those chances, it doesn't mean much, but I get the stat is in like, obviously you're creating chances. If the other person can't finish, that's their problem, not yours. Yeah. But there was the whole thing with him paying Gunnar Soros' salary to try and stay in <laughs> Arsenal fans. Good and then, um, when they you know were slowly getting rid of players he was kind of saying things here and there they finally got rid of him of course arsenal is still paying like half the salaries of half of the players they've gotten rid of which is just like so arsenal the the biggest one for me that they needed to get rid of which they did was um kolsinak he he needed to go um there's so many that they're like slowly getting rid of, which I'm very happy about. They're getting rid of the Wenger guys that were there for a while. And I think exactly. it's the identity change within Arteta that's changing the players. Although I will say though, that they do miss creativity up until that Chelsea game, that there was a lack of someone finding space, finding some sort of creativity to feed the ball to, to, to Obama Yang or Lacazette. But I mean, I guess when you're, when you're a manager and you, and you know that you believe in your team, hey, he's just not going to crack it. And I think you alluded to Kieran Tierney being one of the better players, but I think Hector Bayerian being healthy, wearing the captain's armband on a consistent basis, I think has improved that team's mindset. And obviously, I'm going to go back to that Chelsea game, but since that Chelsea win, they have eight wins, two losses, and one draws. That is a huge change, a massive change, right? And their losses have been to City and Southampton in all competitions. So... Yeah, and they confidence just, is huge. Yeah, and they just beat Southampton after they lost to them. Also, yeah. so they came back and won three one. So that was amazing. And yeah, like you said, I always forget about Hector only because he's dealt with injuries, so he's very like inconsistent in the lineup. But yeah, Hector is another one. He's only twenty five years old. It feels like he's been on Arsenal for literally twenty years, but he's only twenty five years. That old. That feels like a lot of Arsenal players. Like you talk about Jack Wilshire, for example. I felt like the guy's like fifty five now, but he's right? in his, like early thirties, right? Right. Like yeah. some people who play for Arsenal it feels like they're there for twenty years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Hector's another one who, like you said, they needed to get a little bit more creative like people knew what they were doing especially like having the same lineup every single game it was like something needed to change and then there was that 
Chelsea game and it changed and then I think a spark went off and it was like okay yeah this is this is happening and of course like there's still like we got rid of Socrates which was thank god finally <laughs> um, like there's a lot of people like it was so funny I saw an email from the athletic today and it was like um Southampton is in the hunt for Maitland Niles I'm like take him please oh my god I don't I don't want him yeah, for someone who had a huge ceiling and the ability to play as a winger as a midfielder and as a defender his stock dropped like significantly oh, holy crap and it and it only works if they play a back five yeah and the thing is people are gonna blame arsenal for that but i'm like you look at arsenal's success right now like there's a lot of players who have the heart and drive and want this team to win so like it's the same way i feel like you said first of all william is a bust like the worst yep, i was gonna ask you about that yeah <laughs> i don't want to talk about it like i said he had to have had some blackmail on arteta for the fact that like for 20 straight games he was in the starting 11 i'm like why why is he like Oh my god, I could go off about that forever. Like he should have Chelsea scraps is what happened there. I know. I said, I swear that like like I don't know what's going on, but Arsenal has some like deal with Chelsea, I swear to God, where they pick up all these players and Chelsea's like, Yeah, yeah, they're good, they're good, take them. And then like the players are actually still just like Chelsea double agents, and that's why they're garbage. It's the yeah. same way I feel about David Louise. Like, I just <laughs> <laughs> um I will say about David Louise is I don't think he's a defender anymore. I think either he moves into a holding midfield role or a center midfield role. And I think he has the ability to distribute the ball. And I think um, he does what Virgil van Dyke does, except he's not a good defender. That's the only <laughs> difference. Like van Dyke can pick a pass from wherever he is. He can defend, he can air, like win the aerial battles. Devin Luiz can pick a pass. So I will give him that. And I think if Arsenal can find a way to push him into the midfield, if, if they they decide that they're not sold on uh, Thomas Partey or if Granite Shaka suddenly hits another wall. I think yeah. that could be a, a transition. Like uh, a few months ago, I think I made a comment that Ozil needs to be reinstated for that creativity. But if they're going to get it from a guy like David Luiz, then yeah. Arteta's got it done because he likes to play from the back. So why not push him up a little bit more, give Gabriel more opportunities to play. Pablo Mari should play a little bit more. Rob Holding has a huge ceiling that they've, been holding on to for a while so give him more time so just push him out that's all you got to do yeah captain holding he's another one too who's been really good like he scored an own goal like three games ago which <laughs> so did gabriel <laughs> poor guy exactly exactly oh. I'm like oh my god like we're at like four or five arsenal players who have scored an own goal this season like obama yang pablo captain Hol- regardless yeah. but yeah i completely agree but it kind of makes me laugh when you say that because Arsenal, anytime they're signing a player, it's a midfielder. I'm like, can we just figure out the midfield, please? Like, they just signed Martin. I'm never going to say last name, right? Because Urgard. Yeah, thank you. Um, like, they just signed him. I'm like, obviously, it's a great pickup, super exciting. But, like, do we need another midfielder? And like I said, oh. you've got Saka, who's literally from the academy, who is probably, like, your top producing midfielder right now and you're paying him nothing because he's a young kid from the academy and you're literally shelling out millions to continually sign midfielders like like i said i'm not sold on party just yet but he's not the worst like he's creating chances he i think two or three games ago he got an assist like he's clearly mm-hmm. showing up but first of all they signed him and then he just went away for 20 games like we literally did not see him well he was a hurt and- he wasn't i think getting used to, to the england environment but yeah no you're right and then, um, obviously, like, you've got players like Obama Yang who just 
you wanted to sign them and then they just again like disappeared they're in the starting 11 but what are they doing we're not sure uh <laughs> so it's nice to see that this arsenal team is finally meshing it's nice to see arteta changing up the starting 11 and giving guys chances because when you see that it's like oh okay we haven't seen Saka all year and then he gets put in and he literally like scoring goals, getting assists, you know, Smith Rowe, kids like that. But also the players that we want to perform well are kind of starting to find their groove as well. Like Pepe, oh my God, the amount of Pepe slander I saw all 2020. And then now he's finally starting to come into his own, which I love to see. And like you said, like Arsenal literally went from being in 15th place. Like I genuinely thought they were going to get relegated (laughs) and now they're in the top 10. And that's just because they got rid of some dead weight, which they badly needed to. And they made some good moves. Like, honestly, like, party, yeah, decent signing. I think that for what they're paying for these players, they need to perform a little bit better. But they're they're not the worst. And like you said, finding that creativity has made all the difference in this team. And I think they're a top contender. And, like, right now they're in a spot where they could play in the Europa League. But the table is so close in the Premier League. It's yep. insane. Like, they're only actually, like, five points out of fourth place, which is incredible. Like, it's that close of a race. So if they continue to play the way they are, the problem with Arsenal is sometimes they take too many draws. Like, they must win. Um, well, their but, problem this year has been they've lost eight well, games, right? That's yeah. the problem. They haven't been taking enough draws because they keep losing their, their games. That's true. But also, like, they're losing to teams like Burnley. Which <laughs> I think everyone has to lose to Burnley at least once a year. Apparently. Who yeah. just lost to Burnley? Was it Chelsea or Liverpool? Or... Liverpool. Liverpool, yeah. Like, apparently, Burnley's the underdog that nobody was paying attention to. But, yeah, it's it's true. To think about it, yeah, they actually have been losing games where they should have drawn. But also, there's games where they're playing really hard, and they're in it the whole time, and then they get a draw out of it when they probably should have won that game. True, true. Yeah, I mean, they, they have a tough, tough schedule coming up because they're going to play. They play United uh, on the 30th, which is today. Um, then they have, you know, Wolves, Villa, Leeds, City, Leicester, and then they have their Benfica ties in February. So it's not an easy schedule left, but I think if the confidence continues to, to soar, um, we might see Arsenal in a top six position or a top five position by the end of the year. And I think um, teams like West Ham might drop out. So that is something of a shock, but yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. So who gets number 10 now since Ozo's gone? Obama Yang and Lacazette had a little Twitter fight, a fun fight over, I want 10, I want 10. So who, who who gets number 10 on this team? I mean, is it either of them or do we hand it off to another player? I'm not sure. I It's funny you say that. I actually love that Obama Yang wears number 14 because 14 is my favorite number. And obviously the King Henri wore 14. And even back in the day, Theo Walcott wore 14. Like I remember every Arsenal player that I loved. Or 14, so I don't want him to give it up. But I'm not sure, like, honestly, I would love to see, like, one of the young kids take on that number and, like, kind of wear it as the legacy of what is Arsenal. Like, I, I think it's unfair to say, like, Ozil didn't love Arsenal or anything like that because you know he, he did. did. He you did. know he did, absolutely. And, it, you know, it's at the end of the day, sports are a business, which is super unfortunate, but it is what it is. And unfortunately, politics are so involved and everything is about money and feelings when it shouldn't be it should just be about your on-pitch performance and that's it but it never works out like that but yeah I think I would like to see one of the young guys wear it and then continue the Arsenal legacy just because you never know where people are going to end up right like 
Obama Yang only signed into 2021. So you could see him having an amazing season. And then, you know, what if some French club's going to go pay him more money? Yeah, why wouldn't you go there, you know? So I would love to see one of the young kids who can wear it for maybe three or four years before they f- figure out where they want to go with their careers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't want Obama Yang to wear it only because I love the number, number 14. 14. Well, <laughs> traditionally, the number 10 is won by your best player. So, I mean, Kieran Tierney should wear it, but the highly unheard of of a defender getting that number. Um, if they end up setting Mart- uh, signing Martin Odegaard to a, a, not a loan, but an actual deal, I think he would be a perfect number 10 because of his ability to, again, spread the play out, play in any midfield role. So that might happen. Um, so far in the season, we've seen a lot of teams squeak into the top. We've seen teams fall out. Um, any surprises for you so far, aside from Arsenal? Honestly, like I would say that Arsenal is the most surprising just because of the 180 they've done. Like that's not even from like a biased perspective, truly. Like I don't think anyone saw this from how poorly they were playing in November and December. And then, like I said, there was that one game and then everything turned around. Like I was shocked at that, truly. I think another kind of shocking one is kind of how far Tottenham's fallen. Like Mm. Tottenham was on that streak where it was like literally Harry Kane and Son. They were just literally tearing up the league. I was like, who's going to stop these two? When they they murked United 6-1 or whatever it was, we're like, (laughs) holy crap, Mourinho might win a trophy at Spurs. And then six. Then it all fell down. And like, obviously Pep, Pep, like I always hate to say, but it's true. Like Pep obviously is one of the best managers, if not the best manager in the league. Like, Pep, it looks like he's on his way to win another title. Honestly, Manchester United too. Like, I really, I don't like cheering for United for personal reasons. But, like, United is in second place right now. Like, obviously, you've got Liverpool, who's always going to be up there. Everton, who won September. They're still, you know, obviously up there. I think Chelsea's another one. Obviously, the sacking of Frank Lampard, I think, came as a surprise to a lot of people. Oh, that's... Yeah. <laughs> like, I almost forgot about that for a second. And I looked and I'm like, oh, yeah, they just sacked Frank Lampard, even though they're in the top 10. And, like, they, yeah, that was bizarre to me. And I, like, I compare it to Arsenal, obviously, because that's the team that I am obviously most invested in. But it makes me laugh that, like, Arsenal went from 15th to 8th, and everyone is like, Arteta is king. We're never getting rid of Arteta. <laughs> and literally, Chelsea are in ninth place. And they're like, Lampard sucks. We got to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Like, Timo Werner was the worst signing ever. Like, it just it makes me laugh because it's kind of ridiculous coming from a club that like has consistently underperformed since letting go of Wenger. And now they're like <laughs> half decent, and everyone's like, they're yeah. amazing. And then Chelsea, everyone's like, they suck because they're in ninth place. Listen, if I was a play, uh, coach wanting to coach at Chelsea, my clause would say if I get fired within the first month of my contract, the first 18 months of my contract, you have to pay me triple of what you were going to pay me. Because, like, for some reason, they can't keep a coach because they're just not happy with a coach. It's just, like, one bad relationship to another one. Um, Chelsea are in eighth currently, and, uh, and Arsenal are in ninth based on the score here. Um, just tied in points, same amount of games played. So, I mean, two London clubs who shouldn't be that low are that low. And I think Lampard had a leash that was should have been longer because I think he's done a fantastic job with the young guys. Not necessarily the new signings haven't really panned out. So we'll see if Thomas Tuchel can really do something for Chelsea there. My biggest surprise so far has been, and I think you mentioned Pep being Pep, but Man City was nowhere near the top for a while and all of a sudden have become in first they beat Sheffield earlier and now they have a four-point lead over United who plays Arsenal 
on this wonderful Saturday that we're recording. So, um, like, where did City come from, considering they didn't start off well, but Pep doing Pep things, and they've they've, they've just looked really, 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 really good um, in every competition. Yeah, like you said, like, they were nowhere near the top. Like, obviously, they're always in, like, the top 10. Like, they're never yeah. going to drop out of the top 10. I think the reason that Man City does so well, though, is if you look at any Man City score sheet, you've got consistent different producers. And I think that's the biggest indicator of a good team is that it's not the same people scoring every game. And I think that's been Tottenham's downfall is that it's like, okay, if you shut down Harry Kane – like, okay, that's, like, literally half of their attack. Which right Liverpool there. did, yeah. Whereas with Man City, okay, when you have eight different guys who can score, like, you know, how are you going to stop that? If you look at their last three games, you've literally got at least six different scores, if not more. Like, that is an indicator of a really good team, and I think any team has to be well-rounded in that sense. And you look at the same guys, like, obviously, when you're only getting max one goal scored against you, like, it shows that your midfield and your defense are really dedicated to the game as well. Like, literally in their last 10 games, they've maybe conceded five goals. Like, yeah. that's yeah, Ruben Diaz has been fantastic for City. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne played a false line for how many games? So the fact that this team, like you said, has weapons at any point, like, Ilkay Gundogan, who plays a holding role, but then also can play up top, just finds a way to score. And you're like, okay, Fernandinho can score for you. And you have, you're, you're like, uh, Jao Concello, who can play right back, left back, and in the midfield also scores for you. So you're like, okay, this is, you're right. This is the marking of a new team and a good team um, who's found their rejuvenation. Um, Liverpool, on the other hand, who have been injured this year, continually being injured. Um, Hopefully they get a defender, but um, yeah, that, that sort of wraps up this segment. Any last thoughts about Arsenal that you want to share with the fans? Um, my one last thing is that I'm really happy with the moves they've made. They need to get rid of El Nini. Gotta go. He's the last one that I think. Really? I mean, he's a hard nosed ball winning defensive midfielder that they, I think better than Xhaka in, in terms of defending. No, no, he's, he needs to go. He doesn't <laughs> The thing is, he doesn't pass the eye test for me. Hmm. And I just, there's times where I see him and it's like, as a midfielder, like you said, like, yeah, he can go for the ball. But there's so many missed opportunities and missed tackles as well for me. He's just, he's the last one that I think needs to go from that Wenger sort of like signing class last, what he did to the club. Mm-hmm. I need to get rid of him. And then I think I will finally be happy and stop insulting our midfield because it's just... <laughs> We also have 70 midfielders. Like, I don't understand. Like, I'm like, how? Yeah. I look at the roster and see, I'm like, our defense was the liability for the biggest time. And then we just kept signing midfielders. I'm like, can we just sign like one center back? That's all I'm asking for. Yeah. Uh, someone else to replace whatever the hell's going on back there. Um, definitely more midfielders. But hey, you know what? The way Arteta plays, he just needs someone to be mobile. Yeah. No, but I'm very happy with this team. I don't have any more complaints other than El Nani. In my opinion, he. <laughs> <laughs> well you heard it from uh Haley there and then he's the next to go maybe we'll see we'll take another break and then we'll wrap it up with our final thoughts of the overall day what up guys it's your host nick mcvicker and if you are looking for a weekly sports podcast to fill your sports needs you've come to the right place Garage Door Sports hosted by myself, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji brings you all the up-to-date news, notes, and opinions on everything in the sporting world. If you like good conversation, good friends, and a lot of jokes being thrown around, 
you've come to the right place. Don't forget to check us out on all your favorite streaming sites, and we will make sure we bring you content every Saturday right here on Garage Door Sports. All right, that was a good episode. We talked uh, women's soccer. We talked MLS. We talked your favorite Arsenal. Um, we're going to wrap it up, but before we go, do you have any final thoughts? doesn't have to be soccer-related. It can be anything related. Um, I mean, I'm just very happy, obviously, that Arsenal's doing well. <laughs> I'm also very excited about all the you know um, World Cups and tournaments that are coming up to see national teams playing and getting to showcase that talent. Um, also, I'm going to pronounce this wrong because I don't know how to say things in uh, like Brazilian, Portuguese, or Spanish, but is it the Libertadores that's yeah. happening? Libertadores, yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, that'll be very exciting to watch. And I didn't know anything about that. And one of my colleagues, Yuri, wrote an incredible story about that. And I'm very excited to watch now. So I just want to say that I am very excited and I love footy and I'm very happy with it right now because Arsenal's not. <laughs> No, yeah, they're, really great mood. They're they're leaving you happy. I think the Libertadores final would be on BN Sports, but uh, don't quote me on that. But if you have that channel, you can find it there. Or I think uh, the Zone has it. Um, so I accidentally paid for the year for the Zone instead of monthly. Okay. Like in November, I like got my bank statement. I was like one hundred fifty dollars. I was like, oh, I forgot to cancel it, and now I just paid that. So. I'm I'm hoping it's on DAZN because I watch. There's like times I literally will have three different screens on. Yeah. Like Champions League's on. I'm literally like watching Juventus here and like PSG here and like Man City there. It's great. <laughs> uh, do you have the package that's just one particular league, or it's just you have all mm-hmm. leagues in your package? I have everything. So I have like Champions League. I have Premier League. I like watch Monday Night Football on my DAZN. I've got. Sick. So, hey, if you're looking to watch all sports, the zone might be your thing. This is a plug for them. I hope they hear this and support us. <laughs> yeah. Um, my final thoughts would be I think you kind of took it that the Libertadores final because it's between um, two teams of the same region facing off against each other, which is huge. And um, Haley mentioned a, uh, a colleague of hers wrote uh, a story. So, check that out. Um, Anyways, have a wonderful day, everybody. I hope uh, United continue what they do because I am going to be biased there. But big games coming up in the next little while. Keep supporting our show. Um, Don't forget to leave us a like or a rating. You can follow us on Twitter at TouchlineTH. You can follow me at Irfan Manji, Haley at Goldie on Sports. Um, The network obviously is available on a website, which is garagedoorsports.com, as well as on Twitter, garagedoorsports.com. Uh, follow Shenzi Shack. I know they're in Vancouver, but she still makes fantastic food. They're kind of stuck there because of the pandemic, and hopefully they're back in the GTA soon. Uh, anyways, thank you very much, Haley, for joining us today. You are always welcome. Um, anyways, of course, absolutely. You're always welcome. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next match day. Cheers.